Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mavs and Moneyball After Dark, also known as Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy, because my God, am I not going to be able to sleep. Quick recap of the game, even though I'm sure all of you saw it, the Mavericks pretty much dominated the Celtics for the first, let's go with 30 minutes of the game. Midway through the third, the Mavericks were up by about 15, and things just started, sort of started going the Celtics' way. They hadn't been hitting much, and frankly, the Mavericks were kind of due for things to turn against them. And in the fourth quarter, the Mavericks slowly but surely let a lead evaporate as Rick Carlisle played one of the otter rotation sets that I can remember seeing in the fourth. You know, KP, who had probably played one of my favorite defensive games from him. I'm not sure how good it was statistically. I mean, he, I guess he finished with a team high plus 15, uh, but he kind of gets the uh, the benefit of, um, you know, sitting on the bench there at the end. So it, it's it's one of these things where, where you know, I just don't know how to deal with the fact that the, that the Mavericks let something like this get away from them. Um, it, it was a, you know, the team shot the ball so well. They were, they were 19 of 39 for three, which is pretty incredible. And yet they only won by five points. You know, there were, they missed seven free throws, which was really terrible. Um, and, you know, that the Celtics were able to get that close is kind of an indictment on, I mean, frankly, of the coaching, because there was that Dorian Finney-Smith post-up. Did you guys see that in the fourth quarter? Like, that was really horrendous. And the sort of thing that I'm not sure, uh, you know, they're going to watch that on film tomorrow. And there was just way too many possessions in the fourth quarter where it was, what look at what Luka can do for us. And Porzingis didn't get the ball at all. And, you know, you guys know me. I am very critical of Porzingis. He did not really have a great offensive game. 6 of 15 for 19 points. He got to the free throw line six times, which was nice, but only hit four of them. But I don't think he really touched the ball in a meaningful way in the fourth quarter. And that's something that the Mavericks have to to figure out uh, in these kind of clutch situations. That fourth quarter felt like playing to lose. The Mavericks only scored 23 points. At one point, it was 11 uh, so the Celtics really rallied all the way back, you know, allowing a 35 point fourth quarter was, was something, uh, Paymon note notes in the chat that it was really rough officiating. And I, you know, I don't understand NBA officials where they allow contact right up until they don't allow contact. Like I felt there was a stretch in the fourth where as the Jason Tatum missed dunk where I was shocked. They didn't call foul. And then I feel like because they didn't call a foul there, they didn't call a foul on Luka getting mugged at half court. Luka had eight turnovers, a number of which were his fault. But the fact that he was getting hit so frequently on the outside was nuts. Um, You know, I'd I'd love to complain about his free throws, but he got to the line 11 times. It's it's not, you know, it's it's his fault that he didn't um, connect on enough of them. But, you know, in terms of, of like, big-picture takeaways, it was a really tremendously bad Tim Hardaway game. Uh, He missed so many easy looks. It was another real true stinker from from Josh Richardson, who only had had eight points and nine shots. His shots were all ugly. Like, it was – it was just – it was very frustrating for for me watching him – I, I even missed. I even wrote in the recap wrong how many points he had, so I'm editing that as as we're talking. Um, and and you know, the fact that the Mavericks escaped with a win in that sense 
they they you know they they had really Luca superstar performance, eleven for fifteen from the field, and at least offensively, Kleba was once again kind of a. a I'm about to say something. I, I I was about to say something really mean. Clevo is not good, and he's been not good for a couple of games now. They're they're grinding Dorian Finney-Smith into dust slowly. His 40 minutes are a team high. He grabbed nine boards. He played a really nice game overall, though. I was terrified every time they doubled. Um, who was it there that they that they uh, doubled Kimball Walker there at the end, and Dorian had to recover on Tatum. Like I cannot believe that Tatum didn't take advantage of him. But, you know, that's kind of the big picture stuff here. I, I feel feel really good about the win. You know, the Mavericks are now four games over five hundred again, which is, is feels nice. They're, they're playing the Knicks Friday, and that will be, you know, probably just for KP's psyches, uh, one where it'd be really nice if he went off. Um, let's start bringing folks up on stage. Does anybody have something they'd like to talk about? All right, first, returning uh, friend of the show, we have Doug. How are you, Doug? How are you, Kirk? I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm trying to do triple duty tonight. I wrote the recap, and I'm going to do this stuff, and we're going to see what else we got going. So, it's at least it was fun. I'm recapping a win. It's fun to be here with you guys. Absolutely. Well, the uh, the things that uh, really caught my attention is uh, Brunson down the stretch was really solid. Uh, kept his head together. Dropped. Hit his free throws. Uh, just really played a good game down the stretch because they really needed that because things were coming unraveled. And, uh, and so it was good that, uh, that Jalen came up big in the last couple minutes. And, uh, and I, I, do, I really do think that uh, you're, you're right about uh, Dorian Finney-Smith as far as his minutes. I mean, he played a good game, and, and you, you know, I love to see him uh, not only score double figures but get the you know, number of boards that he was. And so uh, – Good things that were happening. One of the the odd statistical things that I saw was for both uh, Luca and Jalen Brunson, they were both in in uh, negative as far as plus minus, which is so strange. Uh, those are the oddball things that just happen sometimes. Muted myself and couldn't find the button. Yeah, I, you know, uh, uh, Jason noted in the chat these are victories that you walk away with and there's something to that. You know, I, I have, uh, he's come on the show before a couple times, Matt Moore of the basketball uh, of action network often tells me there's, you know, five or six games every season that are absolute toss ups, which is why when he does kind of the win loss columns and all the people that are trying to like gamble the, on the over unders where it, there's just five games a year that are utter total toss ups. And this one goes in that column for the Mavericks because we've watched, you know, you've watched the Mavericks for how many years now, Doug? Probably at least 15. Okay, so over those 15 years, do you are, is, is it often, like, they're just times, third quarter, fourth quarter, where I felt like, oh, no, it's happening again. And this was one of those games. It was terrible because um, Josh Bowe, friend, of, you know, who's, who's coming back on the program at some point, uh, noted in our, in our team Slack, that uh, like midway through the thirties, like, Oh, when was the last time the Mavericks beat the Celtics? Oh, it's 2015, 16. And it's two times in the season. And we proceeded to then yell at him for the next quarter and a half. Cause it's like, <laughs> why are you saying these things out loud? But you know, I, I don't really remember many games where they're like really true toss ups uh, this season for the Mavericks. I'm sure I'm just forgetting some, but that was one where, I mean, I'm probably going to be up for another two hours even after I get done doing stuff just because my, my like, heart is in my throat. <laughs> um, 
even still, it's a great time. Uh, all right, so so what else you got for me? I'm going to bring on. We have a number of folks that would like to come on and chat. Well, I think the the one final thing that uh, that was was good about all of this is that the the Mavericks, even though they they were letting things go, they didn't. It didn't come all the way back because if you if this would have turned from a at one point a 23 point lead into a loss, uh, that would have been that would have been brutal. And and so even if you go okay, it got closer than it should have been, but still a win. At Boston, I mean, Boston is a good home team. Uh, even though they're 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 having a you know a struggling season this this year, they're still been pretty good at home. To get a win there, I think is a plus. Well, I mean, any sort of road game is is something I'm excited about because at one point I feel like the Mavericks only had road wins because they couldn't win at home. Yeah, I like it because this is this is kind of their last big road stretch um, that they're in the middle of here. They obviously play more road games, but they aren't quite as as weighted as this. So it's it's good if they can get through the next couple, if they can split the next few. I'm gonna feel really happy. I would love for these Mavericks to actually get on a real life winning streak, but that seems crazy. So we're not gonna hope for too much. Um, all right, Doug, I'm gonna bring on some more people. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. All right, up coming up next we have Cato. What's happening? How you doing? Hey, Kirk. How are you? I'm great. Thank Thank you so much for having me. So I have a couple of questions, and I was hoping you can answer. I'll try. So um, what was the deal with Rick Carlisle um, and his coaching in the fourth quarter? So if you noticed, even though Porzingis wasn't having his greatest game, he was still a huge factor in why the Celtics weren't able to um, convert a lot of field goals in the restricted area. Now, as soon as Porzingis was off the floor, um, the Celtics was able to navigate inside the restricted area and completely evaporate our double-digit lead. Now, it was around the eight-minute mark, and I was wondering, okay, um, Luke is in, and then Porzingis is going to get in the game around the seven-minute mark. No, Porzingis was off the floor more um for like 11 minutes he was probably on the floor for like like one minute in the fourth quarter and i feel like rick carlisle and his weird coaching in the fourth quarter wasn't um able to help us maintain the double digit lead that we had going in from the third quarter into the fourth quarter can you explain to me why rick carlisle would have porzingis off the floor for the majority of the fourth quarter. Is it because we're playing the Knicks um, for our next game? <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, so he so someone in the chat noted that in the post game. Which so for you guys who who don't know, I try not to watch post game stuff just because I don't want to hear what the the team party line is. And and in the but in, this is important to answer your question. He he said something along the lines of he felt that because the Celtics were going small, that's why he was keeping KP off the floor. That's a, not an answer, as far as I'm concerned, because you know Tatum six ten, Brown six nine. Like they might not have had a center, but they got to the rim like really easily in that fourth quarter, like you talked about, like Porzingis just being enormous. And I wrote about this in my recap, like. Since uh, taking, you know, in the in the it was the Blazers game on February fourteenth, like the Valentine's Day massacre where where um, Dame killed us. Porzingis rested four games after that, and then came back and has really been a different guy. His movement is better. He's just kind of being a menace when it's within eight feet of the goal, and that's what a seven foot three guy should do. 
And him being out right then, I feel, was a real, real mistake. It felt like the Mavericks were trying not to lose rather than win. I, just, I don't agree with it. I mean, he's a coach. They got away with the win, so we probably shouldn't complain too much. But I agree with you. It felt weird. Yeah, and then my, my last question um, is, I feel like, as you were saying, they're expecting um, Dory Finney-Smith to do way too much. Like, a lot of times he does get exposed. But I feel like instead of um, us relying on Dory Finney-Smith a lot, I feel like uh, we should have used Melly and, like, substituted um, a lot of... Um, um, what's his uh, Maxi Kleber and tried to see if Melly could um have showed some production. He probably didn't have um Ricarlo didn't see um enough of Melly to keep him into um in the game for um later parts of the third and fourth quarter. But I feel like mm-hmm. just showing the Celtics a different option maybe could have extended the lead instead of having to the um rely on Luca to. Um, show his heroics with the step back threes and stuff like that. Sure. Well, the fourth quarter was was just rough all the way around. Like watching that again was it, it felt like like a horror movie with Mike Myers just continuously coming after, uh, uh, you know, whoever the 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 woman is in the movie and and you know Dorian actually played. He had eleven points. He had nine rebounds and he had two steals and one turnover. He was actually three of five from distance. I feel like he missed multiple open threes, but that's my bias showing. So, it's, but you're right. They 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 do ask him to do too much, and then there are games where he's utterly exposed. And tonight, they kind of got away with one. And I think we're going to have to take it. That position is really going to be the linchpin moving forward. Where Maxi Kleba had probably one of his worst games, like start to finish. He had five points and three rebounds in 25 minutes. Like that's pretty bad. Um, and and it's it's they just don't really have the horses. You know, Melly is a is a big like he's kind of I don't know I he he's kind of a bigger dude like they're gonna play him at small ball positions as opposed to kind of even a three because I don't think he can do that defensively but I understand what you mean you'd like them to at least try something different the problem is when you go through the roster he's not willing to give Josh Green time which drives me nuts because Green was actually like like kind of a chaotic good in my opinion so you know he had that one kind of kick out uh like jump pass to to dorian where dorian hit a three it it, it's i don't know they just they won't try enough people and at certain points it bites them but today they got away with it well what else can i can i do can i answer for you before i bring up some more folks um no that was all my questions um i appreciate i appreciate you for having me kirk and thank you for the time come back whenever because we're trying to do these i don't know i'm just while we're in the middle of the show here when josh comes um, sorry, sorry to cut you off. But no, of course. Fun fact, um, Kirk. Um, I was originally a Knicks fan, but when the Knicks traded Porzingis, I became uh, a Dallas Mavericks fan. So I actually stopped um, watching the Knicks because um, I live in New York, obviously. But you are a brave um, man. We, know, we, we appreciate I, your I, service. I switched my allegiances to to <laughs> Dallas, and it's been it's it's been better for my conscience. Trust me, not having to you know worry about the Knicks losing every season and being depressed. <laughs> Even though the Knicks may be better, I don't sure. care because I'm no longer a Knicks fan. Well, That's we're it. glad to have you. We appreciate you coming on. Um, while I am, before I bring on somebody else, I want some folks to know. So when Josh comes back, I'm probably going to resume doing normal, like kind of the Mavs Money Ball after darks. And I'm going to probably do these after most games, but I may not necessarily record them. 
just because I like talking with you guys, but our podcasts are getting kind of increasingly longer, which um, I, I don't know if you guys might, but like I, with so many audio options, I don't want to, you know, be the kind of show where we take up an hour and 10 minutes of people's time. Every time we talk, you know, there's just so many games crammed in back to back, but so I, you know, I'm probably going to pick and choose when we do, when we record some of these, but I think we have enough fun in here, particularly those of us that are like diehards where it's, it's fun to, um, to come in and at least talk about these games. That's why we call it group therapy. All right. Coming up next, uh, I'm going to invite Brandon on stage. Brandon, how are you? Hey, Kirk, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. So, uh, so I'm a bit of a weirdo and Aren't we I, all? I don't, <laughs> you know, we won, so, you know, there's weird stuff at the end of the game, you know, some dumb turnovers, missed free throws, bad officiating, but we won. So I don't really care about that. We're, we're set on that. I want to know what you thought. Uh, and, and I know it was only like three or four minutes of the game, but in the first half, Josh Green came in because, I mean, obviously, you know, he was a pretty big investment for us, but I mean, we're talking about grinding Dorian into the ground. I mean, certainly, I I feel like if Green can prove his uh, you know, his worth, that we can maybe spare Dorian, you know, eight ten minutes a night, and maybe in the playoffs, if Josh Richardson or Dorian picks up three fouls real quick, you know, maybe he can come in and spell a little bit. So just well, that's that's, that's got to be what the hope is. It's it's Carlisle needing to kind of come to grips that growing pains are a thing. And when he played, when did he play? Rye, Rye, Rye probably knows this in the chat, but I feel like it was second quarter. It was like end of, the f- end of the first, beginning of the second. It was like when I think Luca was back in after his uh, initial, his initial okay, break. You're right. It was weird because I remember Dorian and him, were on, and, and him were on the floor at the same time. Josh Green was. I don't understand yeah, why Josh he doesn't. had that nice assist to him. Oh yeah, it was like it was the jump pass where I felt if if Dorian missed the shot, then Josh Green would have gotten sent to the phantom zone as as, as Josh <laughs> Bo calls it. But Dorian Green hit the shot and then Josh Green went to the phantom zone anyways. Anyways, yes. Like I don't under I, I personally don't understand it because when the Mavericks are up by nineteen at points in the third quarter, that's when you steal minutes. You steal minutes. it's it's gotta be I'm not a hockey guy, but I feel like it has to be one of these things where you know, when you're trying to protect a lead, like that's when you want to get these, you know, two to three minute bursts. Like he's never going to go out there and play five, six minutes this year. He's just not. We're all going to have right. to get used to that. But there's something to, to him, ha- you know, he needs to play a little bit here and there. Like Dorian playing 40 minutes is bananas. Like if Dorian gets hurt, it's going to be really upsetting in a hurry. Mm. And I remember there was a point earlier in the season where, I don't know, it was probably wasn't that long ago. Oh, when Dorian had his, had his, uh, the birth of his child. Where yeah. we're sitting there talking, oh, we don't really miss Dorian, and that was wrong. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once the Wessel Wundu gets twenty five, thirty minutes a night, you realize how important Dorian is to this team. That's right. That's right. Well, what else you got? Uh, just a couple quick things. KP, I know, um, you know, you're, you're hard on him, but uh, I thought he was good tonight. He, yeah, no, I thought I thought he was very good. Um, you know, I, I love KP. I'm, I guess, I'm a founder of KP Island or whatever, but. He's uh, th- this is the type of performance, even if it wasn't his best offensive one, you know, it wasn't like those games where just everything was going in. Um, you know, the defense was kind of the anchor and then you kind of r- ride the waves with offense. And then um, last thing is, unfortunately, I am officially off of uh, Josh Richardson Island. 
I am super excited for him. And uh, he is, he's just been hot garbage. Recently. I mean, whatever they do in Miami, their strength and I, I firmly believe whatever Miami's strength and conditioning program is gets guys in such good shape that the shots just flow in terms of, of feeling confident. And uh, he's just he's just rough. When he I, I I spent like four minutes of the game looking for like a ninja gif because he does that post up kick that I'm horrified is going to result in an offensive foul. I mean, he was. It's crazy because he stuffs the stat box. Eight points, six rebounds, four assists, and then three turnovers, including that absolutely insane one, which, you know, Jeff Van Gundy, I don't know which broadcast you guys got because I'm outside of the Dallas market, but Jeff Van Gundy was talking about how, um, it, like, NBA teams just aren't used to the press, and, man, was that evident. So, yeah. I don't know. It's it's tough. I think the Mavericks need him to come back around, but if you can get away with a bad game, then you get away with a bad game and hope for an next one. I mean, he's been, quick, he's been in quicksand for, like, five games now, and at some point he's going to come out of it and look better. He yeah, He's an NBA player. This just this happens. And if the Mavericks are surviving, like, uh, you know, him, he went three for nine, Hardaway went three for ten. If you can survive those two going six for 19 – you'll walk away and you're going to walk away happy. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that, like I said, that's why I'm feeling, still feeling good after this game. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah we got to th- be happy for having me. Sure thing, man. All right. Coming up next, I'm going to bring on, let's see here. We have Jason, Jason, how's it going? Jason. Uh, is my sound working? Okay. I think it yep. is. So I mm-hmm. uh, two things here. First, I'm happy we won. This game was horrifying, but <laughs> whatever, we won. I mean, it actually wasn't that bad until, like, the one-minute mark where it's, like, it become, like, six points. And, uh, I mean, just talking about this game, I think, honestly, the offense was the problem. And, like, you can say, oh, Boston scored, like, 36 or 38 or, like, I don't know how much in the fourth quarter. But, like, a lot of that was just turnovers and really yep. clunky offense. And, like, Kate, like, you could tell KP wasn't out there. They just... Like, Jalen Brunson, I love him. He had a good game, but I don't know. He just could not create off the ball when Luka got doubled off that high screen and whatnot. And he just had a four-on-three and just did nothing. But that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, he's he's, he's a bench it. guard. It, it, it is what it is. But the thing I want to talk about, which I'm actually kind of interested in, is I don't know. I don't think Nicola Melli's any... I, I don't think Nicola Melli's good. I'll just say, say this straight up. But... The fact that he actually plays hard and does weird stuff, I think the, I think this offense needs a jolt sometimes. And you can say, oh, the Mavs are like ninth in offensive efficiency or whatnot, but they are a horrible running team. It's insane. It's like every single year. Some of this is Luca, some of this is Rick, but this team hates to run. And like they're a really great like half court team. Like you just see Luca has complete control of the game. But sometimes I feel like Luca, he just like like you just see, like, like everyone else running up the floor, and then Luca's just in the back half court. You can only see him in this frame of the screen. It, it kind of drives me crazy sometimes. Oh, hundred so percent. I, I don't know if this. So I don't know if Melly is gonna like Melly. Just runs hard and plays hard, and that might just because he just came in. It's not indoctrinated into the system yet. But this is something they need to fix. And this... I thought this was something I thought maybe Richardson could help with because he's such a chaotic player. But it's I don't know. The chaos is. Bit bad chaos. So we need we need something like this was like Delon Wright, Josh Richardson, all these off guards that are supposedly decent in transition, but they never run. So no, we don't see them being good in transition, which is a the huge tr- problem. 
the transition thing just blows my mind because Luca is such a like frightening downhill kind of guy when he's on the move. Defenses don't want don't know what to do. But I think the reason, like one of the reasons him and Carla have to be on some level simpatico is because they each are just utter control freaks. And so if he's going to slow down and run whatever, you know, multi-option play that they have from a high screen and roll, Rick probably likes that on some level. But I really wish they'd run more. I couldn't agree with you more on this, where I, I get that... I get the the theory of letting Luca have the ball this much, and you know I've been a proponent of it at times. But he basically leads the league at like nine and a half minutes a game having the ball. Like that's bananas, and the, it, that's why like finding a secondary ball handler is almost becoming as important to me as it is finding a uh, a real true wing that can start instead of DFS. Um, but it, it it's nuts to me watching those sorts of things because Luca didn't even make it to half court on that play that you're talking about where Melly pushed the ball. And it's like, come on, man. Like, run the floor a little more. Like, just just press because he's going to get more foul calls that way, I think. I, the, 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 the lack of pressing is something. And, like, playing hard, I, I agree with you. It's it's one of these things where that's where we're, we're kind of pining for a dude like Rashawn Holmes. But I think because of the structure of the offense, it becomes sort of this stagnant force for everyone where these guys just get used to. You saw it at the end of the first and end of the second quarter. Where's just dudes standing around and Luca being, you know, really good, but that cannot be the constant answer. It drives me nuts. I mean, this is, I mean, I kind of hate to pair KP here, but the Mavs are best when they move the ball. And yes, KP wants the ball to move to him, but I mean, they are best when the ball moves and there is some truth to, okay, how good are Luca shot? Luca passes when he dominates the ball for 20 seconds and he generates an open three off the, a corner pass, but I mean, I get Dorian isn't a very good three-point shooter, so that's one thing. But like, these are like harder looks than they see, even though they're like open. I feel so sure. That's just one thing. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, and you know, it's one thing if like JJ Reddick's in the corner, but Dorian's just not a great open shot shooter, so it's it's just a bit much. I mean, but again, we're kind of we're kind of like we're not meaning to complain, but it's something to kind of look ahead to because they shot the hell out of the ball from beyond the arc. That's why they won the offense. Like as a structured thing, when you move past the fact that that uh, so Luca and Brunson were combined nineteen of twenty five, so after that everybody else kind of stunk. Except I mean Dorian is pretty good. Uh, there's just there needs to be the, they can escape one game like this because the Celtics are kind of reeling. But if they're going to play, I don't know. Let's say that the Nuggets they're going to have to be more balanced, and that's the sort of stuff you and I have. I, I think we agree on that they need to figure out more because it just cannot be this this sort of show uh, where a couple of guys really do all the work. I guess one last thing for real this time is that the math have kind of been blowing teams out. And, like, this game got kind of close to the end, but I think you would say the Mavs outplayed the Celtics overall this game. I would. And this is like, oh, oof. <laughs> hey, I feel like you're being a little bit too harsh on the fourth quarter. But... I mean, you, you look at the past couple of games. They've won a lot of games by 20 points. Yeah. And, like, it, it feels like the offense is starting to pop a little bit. And, like, you had sometimes last year where it was tied into the half, into halftime. And then the third quarter, the Mavs just got, like, 15 points in, like, two minutes. And I feel like that just hasn't happened this year. But it's starting to happen. It's just something I just want to keep an eye You're on. You're probably right. But, I mean, it's let's remember. It's starting to be a little bit better. 
you're 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 likely correct that I'm being too hard, but like what I'm really asking, like you know, this is me, you know, Bernie meme. I'm I'm here once again requesting for KP to touch the ball. Like I don't want KP to touch the ball as a general thing, but I didn't feel like it 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 uh, was the worst thing in the world where you know he. He's been doing pretty well overall. I, I I really wish he would have just crushed that that dude that was guarding him repeatedly. That big like lanky Jeff Withy looking dude. But yeah, thanks again for coming up. I'm gonna bring a couple more folks on, and then we're gonna get on out of here because it is the ripe late time of 10:45 on the East Coast. Thanks again, Jason. All right, friend of the program, Paymon. How you doing? Hey, Kirk. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks. Yeah, a win is a win. Uh, but I just wanted to come on real quick and, uh, you know, kind of talk about KP. You know, I, I thought I was actually, you know, I was really impressed by his game. I think, uh, you know, you've spoken about this where, you know, he doesn't have to be the guy that drops like 25 and 10 every night. We, we would like that. But as long as he's doing something on the defensive end, you know, altering shots, you know, you know we'll take that. And I think tonight, you know, he did a pretty good shot, pretty good job of that, you know, altering Tatum and Brown. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, I guess, at the end of the game, you know, there's two things, I guess, that, you know, we were talking about in the chat. One of those things being, you know, we I, look, I completely understand you take out KP because of the, the mismatch or whatever. But, you know, I felt like, it, you know, does it really matter at that point when the Celtics get to the rim, um, you know, with ease? And, and, you know, also, I just I think we've seen Rick Carlisle do this thing at the end of games where he waits as as long as he can to bring in, uh, you know, Luca or KP. And I'm wondering, you know, if you, you know, there's anything like minute wise, you know, that kind of um, you would do differently in, in like in that regards, because that's sometimes at the end of games. It's like you almost expect it to get close anyways, the way he kind of like waits and waits and waits to the end of games to kind of bring in those two. It's a good question. So here I'm gonna, we're half an hour into this. So the by, by the time anybody's actually listening to the, uh, the podcast audio of this um you're you got to be a diehard to be a half hour into a random random dude's maverick podcast but here's the thing i'm losing my mind at the notion of rest being a thing that kp needs he they are concerned about minutes totals that's a fact but i you know two things have happened for me recently so number one our dude panda hank 41 who does those incredible youtube videos on dirk stuff when he is posting like a new video i'll go look at like the mavericks minutes totals dirk played 34 minutes a game when he was 40 years old i'm tired of this like oh and dirk had bad knees bad ankles he was like broken at the end kp's problem is not that he is uh is is like like weak or doesn't have enough stamina his problem is that he's he's seven foot three and he has like the biomechanics of like Groot. It's it's her, you know he lands on one leg all the time. He doesn't he, he has terrible like form and all sorts of different things, and that's what's going to end up hurting him again. He needs to fix that stuff. Maybe they're working with him on that behind the scenes. In fact, they probably are. But it drives me nuts that the Mavericks are are worried about his minutes totals as if that's the problem. And not the fact that he just like moves around bizarrely a lot of the time. So, so I, that's why Carlisle is holding him out. Like, let's be clear on that. They don't want him to have 36 minutes. They watch that stuff like a hawk. You know, Matt Phillips posts in the chat, KP is extremely athletic. The man is straight line athletic. He is not great side to side. Watch all his dunks. He lands on one foot every time. That is what destroyed um, Tracy McGrady's knees 
when you're this big, you have to have solid biomechanics. And a lot of the Mavericks, you know, KP's like, he has 14 lower body injuries where he's missed time, guys. Like that at a certain point becomes a systemic problem where you need to get to the root cause. And instead of acting like, oh, he just needs to rest more, I wish they would figure some of these things out. But it's very, very hard to do whenever he's constantly, you know, recovering from a surgery. Maybe this is the year, the first year where he becomes a guy that, that gets to the offseason and can continue to develop his body. Anyways, I'm not a doctor. I've just been hurt an ungodly amount. Um, so that's kind of my hot take with this. Uh, no, I mean, I, 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 I completely agree. And I was going to say, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, with him, it feels like it's like he's never able to get into rhythm. So, like, look, I understand, you know, resting him on back-to-backs and things like that, but it's like, it's like this constant theme of like, all right, KP gets good. And then, you know, we're sitting him out for this game and th- that game. And it's like, how can you ever expect this guy to like, um, like develop like, because uh, he's only 25, you know, but still. But he's he's like, hard to find a rhythm. It, it, yeah. Like he's mad. He wants to play that. I know I have kind of investigated this behind the scenes. Mad is not the right term, but that dude wants to play every game. So they have to protect him from himself. Yeah, I agree. Well, and by the way, I, I really think you should keep doing this when even when Josh gets back, because um, I'm sure I'm sure there's like Mavs media folks on Twitter who have like been wondering where like um, all the like the chaotic fans have been going. Um, so they're, they're probably they're they're probably thrilled to know you've siphoned, siphoned them off for uh, for therapy. So that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. It's like we're not yelling at Brad Townsend. Um, yeah, that, that was that was a real fun part of my day where I had all sorts of people a- asking why I was the one who yelled at JJ Reddick where, you know, from his podcast. I'm like, I don't tweet athletes. I don't want to talk to these guys. I'm terrified of getting like like I got yelled at by KP once back in 2000 or not KP, Kevin Durant back in 2009, like my first week on Twitter. And I was like, I'm never tweeting an athlete again. <laughs> this is horrifying. Um all right, well, I'm going to bring on some more folks. Thanks for coming on, Paymon. Anytime. All right, who we got next here? We got, ah, friend of the program, Matt Phillips. How are you? Very good. How are you, sir? Oh, you know, we're, right. we're, we're enjoying ourselves. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to be relatively quick. Um, one, so I saw someone post in the postgame thing that Porzingis agreed with sitting, and Carlisle was like, oh, yeah, he even said, when I put him in at the end, he said, are you sure? To me, that doesn't sound like he agreed. As a smart-ass myself, that sounds like something where he was real passive-aggressive and just like, are you sure you want me to play now? I haven't played for the last 10 minutes. I mean, that, that sounds right to me. Like, like Porzingis is a smart guy, um, and it he chooses his jabs much better than any other kind of, you know, top-tier superstar-ish player, where he says a lot, like, what everybody else either says exactly what they mean, like, Porzingis does, you know, everybody here that's married in the chat knows what they're talking, knows what I'm talking about when, you know, your, your spouse will occasionally say something to you that means the direct opposite of what they're saying and you hear it in the tone. So like, I know exactly, <laughs> I, I, I like that take. Uh, also with that, so earlier you mentioned with Josh Green that you thought he was chaotic good. I don't think in Rick Carlisle's opinion, there is such a thing as chaotic good. <laughs> like he loves structure so much. So anything that is chaotic is inherently bad. And I really do think that's one of the things that hurts Green, in his opinion. Yeah, no, I think I think that's probably true. It, he just has he just has unfair standards. You know, I, I, I think a lot about the Josh Howard, Marquise Daniels rookie years when that was uh, that was still Nelly. 
And Nelly just let things happen. Rick is just not fair. He he he. The, there's a reason they had to trade away Wes Matthews and Harrison Barnes. It's because Rick loved posting them up. Like at a certain point, you have to take away Rick's toys to get him to do things differently. Oh yes, I agree with that. Also, uh, this is really pretty much the last thing for me, other than the I thought KP played well, but. At the end, I like that we closed with the Brunson as the ball handler and Luca as the screener because it's if they have a small guard out there, teams are like we think generally that teams don't want to switch bigs on Luca. Bigs on Luca is not nearly as detrimental to the other team as a small on Luca because he's just going to shoot a step back three anyway, and you might as well have a seven footer contesting it as a, as a small. And if you put little people, he can he can post, he can get past them. He can shoot over them, and they're smaller. So teams absolutely try really hard not to, to switch smalls on him. And Brunson, while he may not pass, is enough of a scorer that if they have one of the if the other team has one of the little six foot six foot one point guards like the Celtics do with Kemba, that play is just really really hard to stop. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I like Luca. Like Luca as a screener is something I wish they would do multiple times a game and there was his last game i don't remember at what point of the game it was but it was jalen brunson got basically it felt like a jailbreak layup where lucas set the high like set the screen for him there was another there's a guy next to him like like brunson had his choice of screeners and because luca was the guy for him the defense had no idea what to do there needs to be more of that sort of action with him i hate 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 Porzingis and KP, I'm sorry, they're the same person. Porzingis and Luca just getting like stuck in the corners for certain aspects of the offense because it just takes them out of the play. I don't know. Yeah. Also with that, and is a lot of the time of possession for Luca, I mentioned it in the chat earlier, but is it's by design. We just stand at half court until there's 10 to 12 seconds left in the shot clock for no reason, a ton. And I kind of think it's for a time of possession, like, we're, I think we're confident that we won't turn it over that way. And so, and Rick is, as I mentioned with the chaos, he's so anti live ball turnovers mm-hmm. that he thinks if we do it that way, we're much less likely to give up transition offense. And I understand that, but it's not, to me, it's not really the same of he's dominating the ball. If there's anyone that's just going to stand out there and dribble for 10 seconds, if that is the called offense, that's yeah. a little different than, you know, him just doing it on his own. Cause I really do think that's the offense. It, it felt weird. there were aspects of that fourth quarter that felt like three yards in a cloud of dust where they were just trying to like milk seconds. Do you remember the um, shot clock violation from Luca? Yes. That that's one of those that I feel like. So I, I, I like that take. And then, and then the last thing with that is man, Josh Richardson's basketball IQ is just terrible. Right now it is. I feel like he just can't get out of things. Like he's much better than this. He's played much better. Froze. You muted yourself. Oh, my bad. Yeah, I just feel like he's better. I, yeah. I just feel like he's a better basketball player than what he's shown, and and it's something where it's like labored. I, all of his all of his moves feel like he's thinking about it too much, and the, I don't know. They need to get him something. They need just need to figure out. You muted yourself. Oh, you. Is there, you got any thoughts about that? Uh, yeah. So the one thing I will say with that, and I mentioned it a little bit when we got him, is. He's not, he's a better player, but he's the same basic player archetype as DeLon Wright. And while we think, you know, hey, these guys won't ever be overtaxed because Luca takes up so much of the ball handling burden and they won't ever be overtaxed and everything, 
guys who have had the ball in their hands a ton, they've never been spot up shooters. Richardson has never been a spot up shooter in his life. He's, I mean, he's an attacking guard, and it really is a huge role change and adjustment to go from, you know, hey, we we get the ball and I get to dribble around for fifteen seconds and do all this myself a lot to, I'm just going to get the ball every, you know, I'm gonna catch it and I have two seconds to decide what to do with it. Sure. No, and, I agree with that. And I, I just, I don't think, I think we're in love with that player archetype, but I don't think we run a system that that's really great for it. Yeah. They, they have to figure out that like that needs to be better targeting because it's like, I, there's a fine line between Luca wanting the ball as much as, as, as they, as he, as he does and them finding somebody that can just take you know, a percentage of these minutes away from him. It's, it's, I don't know. It's right, at, at this point though, you know, we're 40 minutes yeah. through this and we're kind of complaining right. about how awesome they are. All right. The very last thing, and then I'm really going to shut up. Uh, the last <laughs> thing is uh, as much as I hate load management, I really think we might need to load manage Maxi and Dorian a little bit because we've been pretty adamant and I'm not exactly sure what advanced medical stuff they have, but they've been pretty adamant throughout his career that Maxi shouldn't play more than 25 minutes a game. Yep. And, He's been at 30 to 35 for a while, and it's not going to do any good if we get to the playoffs and Luca and KP are fresh, but the whole rest of the team is toast. And if we're going to worry so much, and also from just a psychological standpoint, it's got to be a little rough for the other guys. If if you treat Luca and KP like, hey, we can't play them, you know, it's 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 scary for their health. Uh, but you guys, you can play 42 minutes a game on back-to-back nights. Like, that's no problem whatsoever. You guys get hurt. Y'all aren't that important. I love that. And I, I think that's something that we should, you know, we, meaning people like me who run a website, should probably talk about more in, in context because it, it feels very strange. You know, there I don't know if anybody is a subscriber to The Athletic, but there's this great story uh, right at the offseason last year about how Paul George and Kawhi got a lot of special treatment and that started to rub dudes wrong. And I there's... This is not the same level, but it just it stands out like a sore thumb where, you know, guys who had COVID are playing 40 minutes a game, whereas the two dudes who are, you know, the superstars and the pillars of the franchise and whatnot are getting rest and nobody else is. I mean, that that's where it comes back to Rick Carlisle's kind of, you know, over management of min- of kind of the specifics while not playing guy. You know, you have 15 guys in the roster. You got to play them. So. All right. Well, that's it. Appreciate it. Yep, you too. All right, coming up next, Jared, who's been waiting patiently. Jared, how you doing? Yeah, good day. How's it going? Great, thanks. A um, couple of things. Uh, nice pass by Josh Green and his two minutes of game played for that um, Dorian Finney-Smith three-pointer. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's an interesting... I just find Green an interesting player. He just seems to do a little bit of everything, but obviously because he's so young, he doesn't actually do anything spe- specifically well yet. So it's just going to be interesting to see how the, the Mavs development team go with him in the next couple yep. of years. I mean, if they can make Dorian Finney-Smith a passable shooter, then Josh Green's going to be fine if he actually gets sticks around long enough. Dorian was so bad. I, I can't emphasize that enough to people who are newer to the team. I watched that dude at three straight summer leagues shoot like 25%, and now he's a starter. Well, even even Maxi was was pretty average when he came in the yeah. league, just because of the the um difference in the the distance, I guess, was his his, his initial problem. Um, I also was listening listening to another podcast yesterday, 
and they had an interesting future take on the league because they were discussing the next TV contract and they were saying that the rumours are at the moment that the next TV deal was going to be two to three times as large as the current one. Right. And so that was going to potentially cause a massive spike in the salary cap in 2025. Right. Which is obviously a long way away, but just one that could have a big issue on what Luca does with his um, first contract after his rookie deal. He might only want a two-year deal with a, with a player option so you can get... Um, the 10-year service type thing? Well, no, it's just because the salary cap might go from, say, 120 to 250 million. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, percentage of cap. Yeah, so it'll be the yeah the percentage of the the cap would would basically double his his um potential earnings. So mm-hmm. he might opt for that shorter deal, which is a bit scary, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing about superstars these days, and I'm perfectly fine with this. So like. Dirk was such an outlier, and I, I talked to a friend of the show, Dalton Trigg, about this all the time. Like, we got it. Dirk and uh, Luca should not be in the same sentence, other than to talk about the fact that they're awesome. Because Dirk was doing a lot of things to kind of, you know, for for kind of paying it forward in very real ways. But but Luca's a different cat. He he's he's a unbelievable. I think he's a pretty loyal guy from what it sounds like, but the Mavericks have to do their best to surround them, to, to surround him with, with the teammates that work. And so wouldn't shock me, you know, nothing would shock me with what he does. He's a completely different guy. You know, there was this terrible Colin Cowherd segment about like top five guys that he built, a, uh, you know, a, 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 a franchise around him. Like Luca was number two and Zion was number one. And Cowherd somehow didn't know that Luca was like number two in, in NBA jersey sales. Like we, you know, part of what makes me doing this so fun is, is the fact that we're getting people from like all over the planet because Luca, Luca is a flipping global icon. It, it, people know him all around the planet and, and he's only going to continue to grow because he's 22. So you know, him taking a shorter deal really would not surprise me. I will know more by this summer, though. Um, and his agent's a smart guy. You know, the salary cap's going to be wonky because of COVID-related stuff. But if, if they really do think that the TV deal is going to be like it is, that's something that uh, that is at least worth paying attention to. I, you know, I'm as as kind of, you know, Maverick, as probably the most popular Mavericks pessimist i this is one thing i'm not particularly worried about because though he's at least going to remain in a mavericks uniform for the next three years like i could see i understand what you're talking about he might take like a shorter extension so that's that's interesting to me yeah i think the 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 big problem for the league is going to would if that actually did occur would be more the teams like new orleans and um the small market teams where their superstar like zions and guys like that become free agents and then like the difference between earning say 200 million instead of 220 million or something right if that can go to let's say the lakers if he zion and ad and then another superstar um could all join up and then you could have all basically the entire league having the potential to sign three superstars at the same time I don't. I mean, this is this sort of stuff is. Fun. I love talking about it, and though we probably shouldn't for a post game podcast, but I'm I'm going to yeah, address sorry. it in the sense of it. I doubt that there will. I I bet that the that the NBPA accepts cap smoothing this time because 
Nothing made Jimmy Butler more mad than dudes like Harrison Barnes making more money than him because of a one-year spike. That only benefited one class of free agents. We're not going to see that again. So the I bet there will be like a steady, smooth rise and that sort of thing, which will present this, or I'm sorry, prevent the sort of super team formation that we saw with Golden State. Like the league, as much as they like uh, dynasty type stuff, because that's how the league's always operated. That I, I, I think you know that sort of that sort of thing is not good for the health. Because if you have thirty teams, you got to have you, you need to have hope in places like Dallas and San Antonio and New Orleans. You just need it. So, well, Jared, do you yep. got anything else? Because I'm going to bring on a couple more folks. No, that's cool. Thanks. I appreciate that. you coming on. Please come back the next time we do this. All right. You have a good night. Yeah. All right, uh, Grayson, you've been patiently waiting. How's it going? Uh, Hey, Kirk. I watched this game with my uncle, and he's a Celtics fan. And halfway through the game, he turned to me and he said, you traded Seth Curry for Josh Richardson? (laughs) Uh, And, I mean, I assume he knows a decent amount about the East, considering he's a diehard Celtics fan. So I just wanted to get your opinion on that. If you could reverse that trade right now, would you? This one's so hard because if you look at the assets and I hate discussing players as assets, it's just nasty sounding, but the Mavericks turned Seth Curry into Josh Richardson, Tyler Bay. And because of the other trades that they were involved in, now they end up with JJ Redick and Melly. and bites at the apple are a real thing. Seth Curry is so good. I have a hard time contextualizing it. But I, I still understand why they did it. I wouldn't have done it. I like good shooters. I want them to get like Doug McDermott. I, I want the Ma- like I don't care about defense. Defense is for nerds. I get yelled at about this a lot because I'm 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 factually wrong. But I watch basketball to have fun. I want the Mavericks to score 145 points a game. I want Luca to get 20 assists in a game like Russell Westbrook. Like I just want more, more, more offense. But, you know, no one cares what I think. Um, and so I, I get why they did it from a team-building standpoint. And I also get why they did it in terms of, of, of the Bill Duffy, who is both Luca and Josh Richardson's agent standpoint. Um, there's, there's favors. There's stuff that goes on. And, and Richardson is, is, you know, Matt talked about this a second ago, where it's guys learning new roles. Um, and Richardson, there's a lot of opportunities where he gets to shoot open threes and just doesn't do it. Uh, it, it reminds me of DeLon Wright in very real ways. And so maybe it just takes time. You know, if, if Richardson opts into his deal, having a starting two guard on an expiring deal at $12 million is not the worst thing in the world for the Mavericks. I don't know. They're, they're, he's, he's fine. I, I'm a little frustrated. I mean, honestly, the thing that I think hurts the Mavericks more – in, in, in a different way than Seth is the fact that Dwight Powell, the Mavericks have no vertical threat. Like, Porzingis doesn't like the role. He's basically only a guy who dives from the corners now, which, by the way, is really cool when he does that. But they, they need, like, a role man where Luka can get easier layups. Their pick-and-roll numbers are very, very different. We're going to write about this at Mavs Moneyball soon um, compared to last year, and that's the thing that I think really, like, hurts them because Luka's just not getting to the rim anymore. He's just amazing from three-point and from mid-range now. But your uncle's right. It's kind of a weird thing when you look at it from, from you know, kind of like just single-game sample size. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree with you. I see why they did it. But I, I as someone who just, like, loves – 
basketball, like you described it, just full offense, like 2K basketball, basically. I would rather them have Steph or Seth. I would definitely rather them have Steph, but Seth would be good too. (laughs) Yeah, it's fun. Well, um, does anybody else want to come up here and hang out, or do you got anything else, Grayson? No, that's all I got. I appreciate the comment. I, I think your uncle's right. It's gonna. I'm. It's something I'm going to be thinking about for a while, and not only because my wife um, secured a Seth Curry jer- or a jersey for eight dollars from the Mavs uh, a bargain bin store when they signed him the first time because they still have like they carry that leftover stuff for years. It's 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 pretty something. Um. All right. So I think we're probably going to get close to to being out of here. Uh, you know, as far as group therapy goes, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's, we're having group therapy about a win. Like we're kind of nitpicking certain things, but overall really psyched that they won really looking forward to the Friday game, which, you know, the, the, uh, as much as I bag on Porzingis, he's, he's our guy. And I would really look forward to him excising his Knicks demons because he got bullied by the, by a Morris brother last time and really looked bad. Um, and, and I, I, I want a big game for him on Friday. Um, does anybody else want to come up here? All right. Max Cod, Codgill asks in pods in the past, you miss, you mentioned that Luca missing a gear step and that could be part of the pick and roll problem as well as Powell. Yeah. Luca still looks pretty labored. Uh, but then he does things like that first half three that he made over Jason Tatum, Bobby Corrala, you know, Mavs, uh, Mavs.com kind of stats, do everything guru posted like a, a, thing and screenshots when when Luca's moving side to side nobody does it like him maybe James Harden I, I still think there's some explosive lack to his step but it's I don't know it he was so good in the first 15 games in 2019 2020 that maybe we're kind of off base in this sort of thing um yeah Jared notes Randall 40 points over under what do you take that's a good one because I don't see how they guard him <laughs> He's just a monster, and he's been a monster every time he plays the Mavs. Uh, we have all sorts of people that wish that we would sign him, but you know, it's it's, it's a different. It, it it wouldn't really work with what Dallas does, I think. But anyway, all right, guys, this has been more fun than it ought to be, and it is every time we do it. Uh, this is going to be posted on Mavs Moneyball uh, podcast feed. I would appreciate it if you guys could like, subscribe. I would also appreciate it if you guys could tell your friends about this and sort of share the news a little bit, you know, we're going to, this, this platform is going to be integrated into Spotify at some point, which should open it up to Android users, at which point we're going to get all those, uh, those smarmy, uh, 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 Android users, but you know, we'll, we'll take them. We'll allow them into group therapy. Um, we, I appreciate all your support and your constant coming back. The fact that we had, you know, 70 people in here for an hour really, uh, really continues to blow my mind. All right, folks, you guys have a good night or a good day. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>